This is Mary Jo Dion, and you're listening to the West Coast Tapes of the Julian Dion Podcast Comedy Hour. Shit. <laughs> hey everyone, this is Sean Proudlove, and you are listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Pod, Comedy Hour. Oh, fuck. Hello, this is Jason Lamb, and you are listening to the West Coast. Sorry, Julian. Okay. <laughs> this is Aaron McGew, and you're listening to the Julian Dion. Uh, let me try that again. <laughs> Julian Dion Comedy Hour Podcast. This is Alex Big Dick Wood, and you're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour. <laughs> was that right? I got that wrong. What was it? The Julian, Julian Dion Comedy Hour Podcast. You know, this would be so much better if you were high. If you were high. If you were high. Welcome, welcome to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour Podcast, episode 23 of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour Podcast, that's right, oh, here we are in a good episode, uh, we have lined up for it today, shit yeah, always, uh, thanks to uh, everyone that came out to say what yesterday for the Julian Dion Comedy Hour live show, it was a weird one, the weird one we've ever, weirdest one we've ever had, and it was like, Strange. The crowd was it was messy. It was uh, bizarre. There was no control all night. It felt. If you've never been to say what, there's like a weird separation. There's like a bar side. Anyway, it was just it was loud and weird. Anywhoozle. Not to dwell on the negative, but uh, thanks if you were there. If you weren't there, be sure to come out to the next show on December 17th. It's a good one. It's the big one. It's a two-year anniversary of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour at Say What. Two years already. So come on out to that. should be fun. Wednesday, December 17th. Also, another quick plug. Moncton, we're coming to you. Friday, December 19th, an evening of comedy with Jen Grant, Julian Dion. Tickets are already going fast, so be sure to go to capital.nb.ca for tickets that's it I think for plugs email the show pod 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 at jdcomedyhour.com alright so there's that so I sit here in Lemon Press Studios it's right now it's uh, Thursday night and uh, I'm the exact opposite state that I was this morning I woke up this morning Kind of feeling depressed, actually. I get depressed seems like a heavy, heavy word, but yeah, kind of. 
I guess, because you do this thing, this you're in this comedy business, and maybe it had something to do with the fact that I was sick for the last uh, four or five days a week, and I really haven't been doing much. I've just been lying there. So maybe it's a little bit of uh, an object in motion stays in motion, object in rest stays in rest theory, but because I just I did not want to wake up this morning. It just didn't feel like it was worth it. Actually, maybe that does sound like depression. It just felt like, you know, because you work your ass off in this business and for a little return for a long time, you're just sort of putting it out there and planting seeds and you just don't know where any of it is going to lead, essentially. And I don't know, I was, just, I was just lying in bed this morning and I'm thinking, ugh, I have to put together another episode and put it out there and it just seemed like, what, what's, why? What's the point? I just wanted to, I, I've talked about this before, but I just want to retire sometimes from this, uh, from this. And, um, you know, because here's the thing about show business and stand-up specifically is, okay, here's, here's an analogy for you. You know, we've all started new jobs. You know how when you start a new job, you're sort of kind of lost and you don't know what to, where things go and you don't know what to do with your arms and you're just sort of, you feel like you're in the way a lot and then you kind of... You're shy, you're not, it takes a little bit for you to come out of your shell and find yourself and then cut to a few weeks later, a couple months at the most, and you're just owning it and you're, you're killing it, your job and it's familiar and you're confident in everything you do and you're no longer lost or feel insecure, you're just, you're just doing it day in, day out. Well, the thing with comedy is you feel like those lost that lost stage is is about eight to ten years. I mean, you're just sort of trying to figure it out, and it's a long, it's a long road, and it can be hard at times because you don't you don't see the results, and and you again you just plant these seeds, and and nothing seems to be growing and blossoming. So you're just kind of doing it, hoping eventually something will will come from it. Well, so I felt like that this morning. I'm like, what's the point of anything? Anything. And tonight, went uh, was invited to go to the uh, This Hour Us 22 Years uh, Canadian show on CBC for any people listening outside of Canada. If you're a Canadian and don't know the show, you're insane. Uh, this Hour Has 22 Minutes was celebrating 22 years, and they had a live show at the Bell Lightbox Theater here downtown Toronto. With uh, the cast, past and present, all cast members, and it was just a really inspiring night of Canadian show business. There's the Canadian uh, comedy, who's who of Canadian comedy was there, and I guess the who's who of CBC, uh, people from the Dragon's Den. It was just like successful show business people, just all in this room. And I felt so inspired, because because I've said this on the podcast before with several guests and in monologues. I strongly believe you can make a career for yourself in show business in Canada, you know. And this was just this just reaffirmed everything that I believed. It was a really inspiring night in the sense that it's like, yeah, you're lost for those years, and you just kind of put in the work blindly. But this was this was the the, the seed blossoming. It was just the blooming of it watching this tonight at at the theater and it just made me realize you just do it just keep doing it and just keep believing in yourself that's the thing is you also need to create your own 
opportunity. Think outside the box, the box, the box, sure. And just do your own thing. And you can't lose sight of your vision. And it's really hard to to keep focus and and just keep doing it day after day. But you just got to. So no, if you're listening to this and you're, no matter what your passion is or your, your I guess, um, if you're in a creative field or not, and you have a vision for yourself and and a goal, just keep keep doing it every day. Just don't quit, and eventually, you'll be in a theater with people. Feel, I don't know if that's what you're into, but the the point is, no matter what your vision is, no matter what other people think of your vision, just keep doing it. Just set goals for yourself, and eventually, it will pay off. It has to cause and effect it really it really just will pay off and if you're in show business and you're listening to this especially you um just really just believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing and find your own voice and eventually you'll get there you will especially on those days i mean i've heard as a comedian coming up i've heard so many stories of all the great ones that at one point or another they've all contemplating quitting and we all do it's because it's such a fucking tough business it's torturous, it's just rejection after rejection, but somehow you have to dig deep and just really believe in what you're doing and know that eventually it's going to pay off. So to keep with that thread of show business at all levels and doing your own thing, let's get to my guest today. Um, you know, I interview comedians, I interview actors here, I interview, you know, any creative people, interest, interesting people, and that starts... At, at every level, I mean, there's there's those people. So my guest today, Ray Zwicker, who, if you're an independent comedian and have been to Absolute Comedy in Toronto or in Ottawa, more Ottawa, but also Toronto the last few years, you know this guy. He was the bar manager in Ottawa uh, for the last eight years and then Toronto for the last two years. So I kind of wanted to get the perspective of somebody on that end of the spectrum of the business. The guy slinging drinks to the talent and to the to the patrons, kind of the engine of the whole thing. So we had a good chat and uh, got his perspective on things, got a couple good stories from him. and all. We also uh, did a funny segment of uh, Mariah or Yoko with Jen Grant. He's a good sport about it. You know, he's not a performer, so he was just put on the spot to sing, and he did it. It was great. And we also, um, a couple weeks back, recorded a segment, a prank call for a new segment. We are working on the show, and we called Ray. It was pretty funny, so we'll, we'll play that in a bit. But... Uh, uh, in the meantime, enjoy my chat with uh, Ray Zwicker. You and me belong, just like the flowers, laughing all day long. People I need to lose, sing a little song, then take a shower. Julian Dion, comedy This episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast, once again, brought to you, the listener, by Echo One Photography. If you're from Toronto and you're a comedian or actor, musician, and looking to get some professional headshots done, well, look no further, Echo One Photography. Will that get that done for you? Hells yeah. You own a business in Toronto. Get some professional product photography done for e-commerce or advertising purposes. Yeah, they'll do it all. Echo One Photography. Just email Eugene, E-U-G-E-N-E, at echo number one photography.com. 
and enter JDCH in the subject line for discounts and offers applicable to you, the listener. Oh, God, thank you so much. Okay, my guest today, he sits across from me in Lemon Press Studios, as always, and uh, I would usually have a a long intro or bio or drop in a clip of sorts, but uh, what can I say about this guy? Cracker open, by the way. There we go. Morning. Morning beer. Why not? Why not? No rules here at Lemon Press Studios. What can you Uh, This guy, what can I say about him? He's a good friend of mine. He's been in the comedy business for, what, eight years now? Something like that, yeah. About that. We met back in the day at uh, one of the best clubs in uh, the country at Absolute Comedy in Ottawa, where he acted as a bar manager. And now he's uh, returned to his roots. (laughs) (laughs) as, Somewhat as, against my will. As part of the team at Absolute Comedy in Toronto. Uh, he's a funny guy. He's not a comic, but he's on the other side of the biz, so I kind of want to get his perspective on things. Anyway, let's get uh, right into it. Ray Vanderduke. <laughs> Ray Zwicker is my guest. How you doing, buddy? Doing all right. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. Good to hear. That was like the nicest intro anyone's ever given me. Oh, fuck. That's how I do it here. It makes me feel good. So even in the business... Um, like I said, like eight years, started at Absolute Comedy. What mm-hmm. what what attracted you to it? How did you fall into that? Um, that was actually just kind of a thing where I was sitting around unemployed and my buddy Lunchbox calls me up uh, one day and he's just, hey, you want to make some quick cash? Yeah, sure. He was working at Absolute at the time and I came in and washed dishes for eight hours. This must have been like right around the time it opened, if it was eight years ago. How old is that? Uh, like ten years. Ten years. Yeah. Uh, it was about six months into them being open. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, about six or eight months into them being open. And uh, I washed dishes for a couple of days, started being a line cook, and then wanted to go on the bar and started getting on the bar. But uh, I think I think the first time I really had like any interaction with the comedy itself was Fraser Young. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure it was Fraser Young headlining and uh being new in the world. I at one point there was there was a heckler going after him. Uh he was talking about Greek people, I think. And this one chick just was was chirping for some reason. Maybe she was Greek? Uh she was Greek. Oh, she right. definitely was Greek. Um and she was chirping him for some reason and I Decided that I was going to help because uh, comedians need help. <laughs> I just rolled my eyes and shook my head. Comedians do not need help. Um, and I, I think I yelled out something like, "Have a seat, Socrates!" And Fraser just tore my ass to shreds. Oh, yeah? <laughs> he, just, he just leveled me. It was like the heckler didn't exist anymore, and it was all about this asshole that he had met who works in the kitchen. Right. <laughs> he just fucking laced into Did me. Did he know it was you at the time? Oh, he knew it was me. Yeah, he knew it was me. He was just like, hey, yeah, that uh, that was great. Uh, that's Ray. He works in the kitchen here. He's he's a good cook. Just doesn't know when to shut the fuck up. Do you, Ray? Yeah. <laughs> he just fucking goes from there. But that's the common thing with hecklers. They all think. They're helping. Mm-hmm. Like nine times out of ten, that's what they think. It was like, oh, I'm going to help out, which, like you said, we don't need help when we're up there. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you're totally helping by fucking up the flow of the show. And I'm sure there's some people <laughs> listening now that are thinking, well, yeah, it does help because something funny comes out of it sometimes. <laughs> but but for the most part, it's just better if you don't heckle. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd say one out of ten, it's like malicious, like a you suck or whatever, which... Uh, 
is rare, but it it has happened. Right. Um. But yeah, nine times out of ten, it's someone drunk. They think uh, they're helping out the show. They're like, yeah, I'm part <laughs> of it. I have a good buddy. Actually, the guy who called you in this, we're gonna drop a a new segment here. I'll introduce it in a sec. <laughs> the buddy that called you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my friend Matt. He he still, even though I've told him a thousand times, it doesn't help. He still legitimately believes when he heckles he's like yeah i'm, I'm like i'm one of you guys he's like, no don't what i've never understood about that mentality and that's it's maybe coming from the perspective of someone who's had to kick people out of shows for this uh is like why are you who paid to be in a show assuming that you can add to what the professional with the microphone and the right. spotlight on them is saying you know what i mean and yeah. And furthermore, to the point, why, why are you trying to fuck with the guy with the microphone? Yeah, you know what I mean. It just is it. So your your one drunk babble is going to somehow improve this this environment where everyone is there for the same reason, and that's to look at the professional with the microphone and enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. And then your drunk ass, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I've been there. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, really? Like, and a lot of the times. It's it's either a dude trying to prove something to his date or his buddies, like just mm-hmm. peacock feathering, or it's just drunk bitches. Yeah. And I don't mean to say all women are bitches. I'm saying drunk bitches right. are the one that are the ones that are doing drunk this. bitches are bitches. Drunk bitches be bitches, yeah. Uh, so I I want to get some some stories from you because being on on that side, working and seeing. Uh, you know, from a sober perspective, for the most part, <laughs> there what, were some uh, days at Absolute. F- first of all, did you were you a fan of comedy when you started? Because you're a funny motherfucker now. It was that? Did you develop that by being around comics and in a comedy atmosphere, or did you were you a fan of comedy before? I, when when I say funny motherfucker, I mean weirdly funny. Like people that don't get your sense of humor are often <laughs> repulsed by. by <laughs> <laughs> As right they should be. Um, there's there's no excuse for my sense of humor. Um, I think I think I come across it honestly. Uh, I was a fan of comedy, like I enjoyed uh, stand up specials and everything, like Eddie Murphy's stuff in the eighties, mm-hmm. and um, you know the Kings of Comedy and yeah. and shit like that. Um, I, I enjoyed it, but I was never like a an aficionado. I think uh, to your point about developing that sense of humor, I think when you're in an environment, um, uh, even on the other side of this business, where you are constantly around people who are uh, professionally funny, mm-hmm. um, especially in the in the pro am ranks, uh, it, they're constantly in this in this game of one upsmanship, and it's not it's not something you know that is done intentionally, I think. I think it just happens in that social circle. Mm-hmm. So, excuse me. So if you can't, if you're hanging around these people and you can't keep up, or if you show any signs of weakness, you get eaten alive. Right. So, I mean, it, it kind of forces you to, I often say, you know, like people's sense of humor, you know, usually goes in one direction or another. Um, when you're when you spend that much time around comedians who all have different takes on things and different senses of humor and different approaches to what they think is funny, your sense of humor starts to go in like this weird squiggly zigzag line, like off to the side somewhere. Mm. So being around being around that many different perspectives um, and that many different styles of just social interaction, 
never mind what goes on on stage, uh, it really does force you to not only adapt, but you, you get a lot darker in your humor. And well, cause you know what I mean? Yeah. Of course you know what I mean. But like, cause I mean, all the, all the regular stuff has been broached and all the regular stuff has been addressed. And then it's kind of like when you're just sitting around with these guys, it's well, where can we take it now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, for example, um, I think uh, there was one time with uh, Jocko and McKeegan and uh, a bunch of other people from the club, Lunchy and a whole bunch of us. Rest in peace, Jocko Alston. Rest in peace, Jocko Alston. Rest, God rest his soul. Um, we went to go see The Expendables in the theater. Mm-hmm. And and the first, uh, the first big moment of the movie was when uh, Dolph Lundgren blows that guy up after yelling, warning shot. It's a theater full of dudes, and there was just this perfect moment of silence, and then Jocko completely black-eyed in a movie theater out. It was just, oh, shit, oh! And we were just raking him over the coals for that all day. You know what I mean? Like, just, wow, welcome to stereotype theater, Jocko. Thank you for that. (laughs) And... You know, it was just, of course, he, he loved that. Yeah. You know, but like that that type of shit, I mean, you don't always get away with that mm-hmm. in regular context, especially in Ottawa. In Toronto, there's so much of everybody, no one really gets offended by anything. Right. Um, but like just that type of stuff where we, we immediately went racial. Like it, it happened inside of 10 seconds. And it was just the rest of the day. And it just branched out from there. And like it, all of a sudden it was... It was like dropping end bombs and stuff like that. Like it was just, it was just nuts. And I remember thinking that day, it was like, wow, you cannot get away with this with regular people. Because, because comedians uh, dream of having just absolutely no limits on stage. Of yeah. but, but in reality, there are some lines that you can cross. But when mm-hmm. you're off stage with other comedians, there are virtually zero. Like you can't oh. cross any line. Like I mean, oh, entirely if zero. If a comic's mom died last week, you. <laughs> You will bring that up and joke yep. about it somehow. Like sure. an, anything goes. Uh, we were talking before the podcast about uh, situationally funny versus on stage funny, mm. and you got to ta- uh, taste of both. You did a set of stand up, a set of stand up, <laughs> a, a set of stand up, a stand up set. Because <laughs> uh, there's a great night um, in Ottawa Monday open mics mm. at Absolute Comedy downstairs. Missed those shows. Those were a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it's a great room for experimenting. Oh and uh, when I lived in Ottawa, I did it a bunch. And the, Ale- uh, Alex Wood and I, uh, yeah, the drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, we. Did, it's just a room where you would do um, stuff out, outside the box, yeah. kind of thing. And uh, so Alex Wood and I, yeah, we got really high before the show, and we were trying to think of something. Alex wasn't on the show, but I'm like, just come up during my set, and we found a giant bag of uh, oregano, or, oregano in yeah. the kitchen, like a huge, like. Like we're talking garbage bag yeah. size of oregano. I don't even know why that was there. Yeah, like a like, clear garbage bag, <laughs> like half full. They, they use maybe a sprinkle of oregano a week. Uh, like, right, why right. do they have a garbage bag full of it? Yeah. So I was just like, just I'll be on stage and I'll say something. I said something along the lines of, oh, "Sorry guys, I'm a little on edge. I've, I've been waiting for my my weed dealer was supposed to show up before and and, and no. so he hasn't shown up. And then um, the next episode, the next episode by Doctor Drain's Chronic Two Thousand. One comes on, and Alex comes up, pop collar and Ray Bans on, and with a, a full back of oregano. And then we just did this back and forth. I'm like, "What, what are you doing?" He's like, "I'm bringing you your weed, man." I'm like, "Well, I'm, 
I'm doing a show. He's like, oh, sorry, I didn't notice. And I'm like, <laughs> you had an intro song. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember uh, we were, Josh, who books the room, uh, didn't want us to do anything. I'm like, Alex is going to come up during my set. He's like, no, just just do your thing. I'm like, no, no, we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing this. Well, in all fairness to Josh, and you'll never really hear me say that sentence, Um in all fairness to Josh, he had just taken over the booking of the show right. from McKeegan. It was brand new at that point. Yeah, and McKeegan had been all about that experimental, do whatever you want, right. you know what I mean? But Josh was given a directive from certain uh, Jason Lawrence uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, you know, I, I want my show. I want. I want it to be an absolute comedy show. You know, I don't, I don't want all this fucking around anymore. Yeah, I, I just want to. You know, do you know how to drum up and uh, just uh, just do the regular show with uh, Jason mm. Lawrence? And uh, I just always felt like he should have ended every sentence with his name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just, right. Yeah, I don't know. I need you to go out there and just do six minutes and make sure you're standing as close to the stage as possible, and Jason Lawrence, <laughs> and then just and then just like disappear. Um, uh, but yeah, Josh had been told that that type of shenanigans was was not allowed mm. um but what was really funny about that was was that jason would never go to the monday shows right uh he did one time and i think it really pissed him off that when it was a show that he wasn't necessarily responsible for promoting mm -hmm. you know had uh 80 90 people in the downstairs showroom mm -hmm. on a monday night and uh, the majority of the crowd um, was not only paid, but uh, very, very enthusiastic. And he kind of, you know, he saw dollar signs there and right. very smart business on him to kind of be like, no, I want to I want to make this an entirely branded absolute comedy show. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Josh, Josh was dealing with a little bit more restrictions than McKeegan was. And you were at that point, the bartender. So it was like a familiar area and you could mm -hmm. like, you felt like home. So you did decide to do a set and t tell us a little bit about that. How did that go? Um, and what motivated you to get up? Was it like in the moment sort of thing or had you yeah. planned on it? No, it, it was kind of in the, in the moment. Um, my, uh, my ex and I had, uh, had been up to like five in the morning. We were still together then. We'd been up to like five or six in the morning the day before just, spouting off this ridiculous nonsensical gibberish uh but we were crying we were laughing so hard um and then i was uh i was bartending that night and it was a small show only like 30 people or something and i just i just thought you know what i've been, I've been working here for a bunch of years i've never been on stage i should probably see what the guys go through uh so i asked the headliner and the mc if i could just get up for a couple minutes and, and do this I'm like, fuck it's about time right uh, so I get up there and the first thing, cause I'm the only one working that night, right? Right. So the first thing that happens when I get up is some guy yells, Hey, can I get a beer? Hmm. And I wait and it, like, it gets a laugh. And so I wait for the laughter to subside and I just, just very quietly into the microphone go, congratulations. You've just peaked in life. Hmm. <laughs> And the guy just he he looked he looked like I kicked his puppy. You know what I mean? Right. Like just uh oh, just total devastation. And then I just went on for the next like I did this ridiculous campaign speech. It was like I, I don't even remember what, what a lot of it was. But. I would pay like seven dollars <laughs> to see that tape right now. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Corn recorded it. Uh oh, yeah? it, there is a tape somewhere. Uh well tape and 
it's on his phone somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was talking about being on a roller coaster, getting a lobotomy, and so like it was just it was, it was just nonsense. Right. Um, but then I, I went on this campaign speech about running for the office of Mr. T. <laughs> and um, yeah, some niche niche shit. Yeah, yeah, d- just some nonsense, like right. total nonsense. But Were you? Uh, did that g- like? Um, did you gain more respect for the craft at that point? Uh, I respect the craft uh, unbelievably as right. as it was, and yeah, I, I did gain a new appreciation for it because. You know, you you're up there, and those lights are in your face, and and you know all all you have is like that first row of people, basically, and like the sound, mm-hmm. um, to to let you know, you know, how you're doing, to feel out the crowd. It's 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 very, it's very disorienting, mm-hmm. actually, because, you know, you when I was up there again, it, it was a small room, but I couldn't I couldn't see them. I could only right. I could only see like the first five or six people in the in the front row um so just to kind of read a room and and gauge a crowd i mean like you can't you can't see their body language you can't see their facial expression so you only have that sound um so when when you hit something that you think is good and there's that there's that terrifying like half a second before you know people either catch on or maybe it's not working or what have you uh, it, it was very, very uh, nerve wracking, mm-hmm. you know, because again, like I've emceed a couple of weddings and, uh, and when you're up there, you can see everybody and you can kind of see where the comfort level is and you can, you know, work with that. But up there is like, you're working blind. Right. So yeah, I gained a hell of a lot of appreciation for exactly what goes into putting, putting together. Not only, I mean, I was up there for three minutes, and it felt it felt like you know, like six hours. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I can't imagine um, someone going up there for like twenty minutes, especially if you know something isn't hitting the way you want it to, and you got to kind of bring that back. Well, not having that immediate, uh, you know, um, visual perception of what the crowd is reacting to and what they're not, and you know, you can always you can always tell by people's body language, and yeah, the way they're carrying themselves, uh, if if they're enjoying what's going on if you don't have that uh i guess you just gotta soldier for it i mean that's more of a question you do, for you but you do have to soldier through it uh that takes time to uh th- that skill takes time to develop and by that i mean like you cannot let it um affect you or if it does affect you you can't show any signs of it affecting you right because you'll 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 get the read off the audience pretty early on in a set like mm-hmm. Within the first like seconds, minutes, you can tell, oh shit! And early on in your career, that affects you, and you go down. Your shoulders go down. You drop, start dropping tags. You start trimming the fat off jokes. You start, uh, and once you trim tags and drop punchlines and plow through, you can't. When you run out of time, you can't go back to those. It's just like they're right. gone. So yeah, that's well. A callback can only work if it's if the call's been made originally. Yeah. Right, uh. and so the the skill to develop is to f- find one person in the audience that is enjoying it and do it for that person or one table or a couple people you know just like focus on that even and if you don't even have that just go to a happy place in your brain <laughs> imagine there's 500 adoring fans of the audience and just 
do it and and what ends up happening eventually they they come around and uh and catch up to you but right it's when you let it affect you you're fucked there's no coming back from that and well one thing that's always really bothered me just from my perspective is when a comic will drop a punchline or a tag or even even like a setup or just a throwaway or something like that and it doesn't land mm-hmm. and they're like fuck you that's funny right like well they're not laughing. Right, what what right. you're depending on now is the fuck you. That's funny. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, sorry, not everybody can be Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. You know. You look you look at old tapes of Johnny. And, yeah, that's funny. I don't care what you say or whatever. Yeah. No, exactly. And it it would just be like the look too. You know. And that's that's something he perfected. But I I, I find a lot. I've seen a lot of people, especially like in the pro am ranks. Um, I'm not saying pro am is like a derogatory term. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that's that's the level uh, that a lot of these guys are at. Um, I've seen a lot of them do that and rely on it. Some some people rely on it so much that they just write it in, write it in their act. Yeah, like as yeah. part of this bit. Instead of trying to write a better punchline, that's just the punchline now for that bit. Right. Yeah, that's frustrating to watch. Another thing mm-hmm. that's frustrating to watch for me is when a comedian writes in. Uh, a purposeful mistake. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like yes. They, they oh, may have done God. it once on stage before and then they just keep doing it. They'll trip up on their words and they'll say like a like a Freudian slip or something and then they're like, that's, uh, they'll repeat it. Like, that's not what I meant. And it's like the crowd gets gets uh, a laugh. Yeah. And they do that every time. It's so phony. I can't stand that shit. Yeah. It's, yeah. But um, having been in the business for as long as you have, Give me some, give me some good shit. Give me some juice, some juicy stuff. You must have some stories of either from comics or audience members, like comics getting so drunk or fucked up on stage, or <laughs> puking on stage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a thing there. Um, or uh, audience members uh, coming up on stage, or any of that, uh, that good stuff. That that. Uh, okay. Because that ha- that stuff happens rarely, but when you're in a comedy club for eight years, uh, every weekend, I mean, you're gonna yeah. get, you're gonna get some of that. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen my fair share. Uh, <laughs> wow, way to way to lob that one at me. <laughs> were, were you there for that night? Yeah, no shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, the puking incident. Let's get into that. Okay. Uh. Should I should I name him? Should I call him? Yeah, of course, Alex Wood. He was guest, (laughs) I think, episode eleven, maybe. Look back. Uh, Let me let me. Okay. Yeah, I think it was episode eleven. Alex Uh, Wood. Okay, it was from Ottawa and uh, from Ottawa, currently in Toronto. Yeah, good buddy. Uh, Him and I have enjoyed many wrestling pay per views together. Um, Oh, we talked a lot of wrestling uh, for the first bit of the podcast. Uh, it was episode 10, Alex Wood. Alex Wood. Go back and listen to episode 10. It was actually a really good one. It's got good numbers. It's a really funny one. Oh, he's, yeah. I mean, he's hysterical. I, I love Woodsy. Um, but yeah, what, did you guys discuss the incident on that on that interview? Uh, no, because I didn't think about it. I forgot. Because, you know, I. Oh, my I God. Just, I'm so happy it's me that gets to tell the story <laughs> then. Uh, okay, so Woodsy's emceeing. Uh, this is on a Wednesday. So if you know anything about Pro-Am Nights, is the MC is up and down about, what, six, seven times throughout the night? Yeah, about that. Yeah, okay. So uh, during his 10-minute opener, in the first two minutes. Now, according to Woodsy, he had chugged two coffees and then drank a beer and then had another coffee and another beer. <laughs> so 
he's up there and he's he's going into his stuff and he's about to start riffing and all of a sudden he just he hesitates for a second tries to speak again hesitates grabs his pint glass starts puking into <laughs> it on stage Ugh, just gross liquid just so gross beer. and he and he puts it down and he goes okay so anyway nope it just goes right back to puking uh. <laughs> so uh, when he finishes, he's just, and the crowd is just lapping it up. Well, not literally, but like they are, they are loving this, right? It's yeah. like, oh god, but they're laughing so hard. He's just, oh, okay, so your first act, uh, da da da. He introduces the guy, but this is in the first ten minutes, right? So he's got to come back out there another six, seven times <laughs> throughout the night. So the first time he goes back up, um. I can't remember if it was uh, it was me or Joe or someone uh, brought up one of those like uh, Corona buckets right. and just left it on the stool next to him and he didn't notice that we had done that but the crowd did and he was he was kind of just just riffing and about to intro the next guy and then he looks back and sees the bucket and he's like son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> and he introduces the next guy and then we convince him to no it was his idea. He puts on, the next time he goes up, he puts on a garbage bag with <laughs> arm and head holes. Yeah. <laughs> he gets up there, but never acknowledges the garbage bag. Right. <laughs> and so just like throughout the rest of the night, it was all, it, it was all stuff like that. Uh, and he was, he was such a professional about it though. Yeah. He kept going the whole time. Well, he kept going. Like I, I gained a whole, that, that to me was the moment like Alex Wood became a professional. Right. Because that's so disastrous. You know what I mean? Like that I can't. I mean, besides shitting yourself on stage, what what could have been worse than that, really? Mm. No, masking. Like, what could? Have oh been worse no, than nothing. That? That's just <laughs> like, <laughs> shitting yourself, like you said. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Absolute Comedy has these comment cards, and uh, there's mm. one. It's probably still up in the office uh, where someone drew a caricature of him puking yep. on stage after. That yep. was great. But that became the stuff of absolute legend. Right. No, like I'm not trying to make a pun, but like it it has become legendary that story right right um another good one is the time well, it depends whose version of the story you listen to uh now i need to say this jason lawrence mm-hmm. brilliant promoter absolutely brilliant promoter knows how to put together a comedy show like nobody else uh the guy he he understands uh not only the business obviously because he owns one but he he really understands uh how a crowd should be spread out. He understands oh, he gets how it's every because because to make a nuance. perfect comedy show requires so many little ingredients are, that are overlooked con- consistently. When you, you go just across the country, at any club, any venue that puts mm-hmm. on comedy, you're gonna miss those things. He hits every one of them right on the mark, like uh, right down to like uh, check spots. You know, like usually when the head- headliners on the last ten minutes. Most clubs will start drop, dropping checks and it distracts yep. the audience and start doing math. Absolute comedy, they don't allow that. As soon as the headliner says thank you, good night, and the MC goes up, that's when they, the army of servers go out. And, <laughs> but little things like that matter. Yeah, yeah, he is brilliant on that. Absolutely. On that but the guy's an idiot. Um, <laughs> because, you know, love you, Jay. Um, this guy I have seen be responsible for so many just wacky out there how the hell did this happen Mm -hmm. situations in that club my favorite of them had to be um with this guy 
and <laughs> I might get fired for this, but um, this guy who was just drunk and rowdy throughout the whole show. This is around Christmas time. And uh, we kick him out. And the guy's like, I want to see the owner. I want to see the owner. And, and Jay's standing right there. Like, I'm the owner. You know, like, oh, what's the problem? You you got kicked out. You deserve to be kicked out. Yeah, and Jason Lawrence. Um, and so the guy, we're kicking the guy out. And he keeps yelling back at Jay. And you know Jay. He's, he's got a little bit of a combative side to him. Uh, so he's going down the stairs. This is in Ottawa. Um, tripping the guy, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy's about a step behind him. Mm-hmm. So what happens is Jay, the guy, the guy shoves him a little and Jay trips over a couple of stairs, uh, doesn't face plant or anything, but just stumbles, lands on his feet. And then buddy, uh, takes a big wild swing with his foot and catches Jay on the ear. Uh, yeah. You've never heard the story. I've never heard this story. Oh my God. This is, this is fantastic. Um, so we all immediately just, you know, we're, we're on top of this guy and, uh, we pick him out and Joe and I kind of use his head to open the door. Um, and we get him outside and Joe and I, uh, have him, you know, pinned on the ground. Uh, we're not, we're not hurting the guy, but you know, we're, the guy's still flailing and trying to swing and everything. And Sarah, the server, once we, we kind of get this guy calmed down, Sarah, the server, comes out with a credit card machine and his credit card and makes him pay his bill while he's pinned on the ground. Well, that's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, the, an ambulance is called and, and Jason, you know, his ear is bleeding and, and it's just a clusterfuck. The guy, the guy leaves and, uh, you know, he calls back the next day and apologizes and, and uh, yada, yada, you know, water under the bridge. A week later, you hear Jason telling this story. According to Jay, <laughs> this guy threw him down a flight of stairs and then pounced on him and started attacking. And he single-handedly fought him off until the rest of us finally got there to, uh, to just basically escort him out at that point because, you know, at that point, Jay had just, just lambasted this guy There's to the nothing point. Left, yeah. There was nothing left to drag out. I mean, like, it was just... It was just by the scruff of his collar and we just dragged him out and left him out in the snow to fend for himself. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. But listening to Jay tell this story is the greatest thing you'll ever hear because it's like, yeah, no, no, no. The guy, I mean, like I was being perfectly reasonable with him. I was like, right off the bat, you're like, no, you weren't. Um, and he's like, Hey, and he, he threw me down a flight of stairs and then, and then he kicked me in the face and then I, then I jumped on him and and just started pounding him. Meanwhile, (laughs) He, Jay did at one point uh, fight back, and it was adorable. <laughs> it was it was it was very very cute. Um, but uh, yeah, just the embellishment. You know, it, by the end of the story, you'll think you know he used his superpowers to grow nine feet tall and and just zap this guy with his laser vision. Hmm, you know what right, I mean? Like right. just complete and utter ridiculousness. But one of the one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life because I'm standing three feet away from this and it was like it was like watching two girls fight on a schoolyard. <laughs> it's just like a whole lot of you know that uh, <laughs> yeah. like hand slapping and stuff. Like just, uh, it was so funny. 
Um, you're a good-looking guy. You're a confident guy. You're cocky. You do well with the ladies. And uh, I kind oh, of uh, took advantage of that one day because uh, I'm looking constantly looking for new segments for the show. And uh, there's one. My friend Matt has this great ability to uh, p- prank people, prank phone calls. He's amazing at character voices. He's Very amazing at so. improvising on the spot. And all you need to do is um, give him uh, a couple like key... Mm-hmm information key inform a couple things about the person couple key points of key points and he just he just goes off so i like okay call my buddy ray i'm like uh, he works at a bar he's extremely cocky <laughs> and uh, uh i have no idea why everyone assumes just because i'm great i'm cocky yeah <laughs> there you go and so um he's like oh perfect i got it he's like uh, I'm, i'll pretend i am a gay man that has um, has been going to the restaurant, admiring this guy, <laughs> and we got the GM's name of the the restaurant or bar he worked at. And so the premise of the phone call is my buddy Matt goes in, has been going into this restaurant for a month, admiring Ray, thinking for sure he's gay, <laughs> and um, finally convinced and coerced the GM to give um, my friend Matt Ray's phone number. And so we call Ray one day, and this uh, is the phone call. Let's uh, drop it in right now. Are we starting from the beginning? Yeah, we're starting from the, the beginning. So this okay. is. I haven't uh, heard this yet. So this is my phone call to, or my friend Matt calling Ray, uh, proposing I was, uh, they go out on a date because he's mistakenly <laughs> taken Ray for a gay man. I was uh, in Muskoka at a cottage, just ripped at this point. Yeah, Keep that in mind. And it's not even late. It's like, I think... Oh, uh, no, this was at like noon. Yeah, it's in the afternoon. <laughs> All right, here we go. Is it recording? Hello? Hey, Ray. Hey, who's is this? this? Is this Ray? Hey, it's Michael. Sorry? It's Michael. How are you? Michael? Yeah, it's Michael Minikoff. How are you? Um, sorry Minikif. sorry to bother you. Are, you. are you busy? Are you working? Uh, I'm at a cottage. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. Are you enjoying yourself out there? Yeah. Oh, cool. No, I'm I'm really sorry to call you. So I um I got your number from Paris. I, I had to convince her uh for the past little while to get your number, but uh I kind of I kind of went in um to the cantina again to see you. Uh you're not there anymore. Are you did you get a new job or something? Uh yeah. Yeah, I'm not there anymore. Oh my gosh, it's been a while. Um the reason why I'm calling you actually is just to see if you're single. Um, do you, are you dating anyone right now? Oh, are you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this is a little awkward. I'm, uh, I'm actually not into guys. Oh my gosh, really? Okay. Um, sorry, it's it's been taking me so long. I've been, you know, that I'm I'm always. Oh yeah, there. no, no, no. Do, do you remember? Don't, you don't remember worry me. about this at all. I take it as a compliment. Oh, okay. <laughs> This some I think this sums up your personality. It's like no, no. I take that as a compliment. Oh, oh, someone else thinks I'm awesomely handsome. Yeah, no, no. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what can I say? Gay dudes have good taste. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I, I, it's taken me so long to even get Paris to give me your number, but it's taking me about a month, um, you know, to kind of muster up what I wanted to say to you. Um, I had no idea. I, I kind of thought you were, um, you were kind of gay as well. Like, oh. 
Yeah, no, no worries, man. It's actually happened a couple times. Um, um, yeah, no, it's uh, not really my bag, but I, I, I really do take it as a compliment. <laughs> and I appreciate it, man. Bag too. So that's fine. I and, and you know I feel kind of awkward calling you and stuff, and it, it's it's been sitting hey, on my shoulders for a long time. But would you be open to fuck? Uh, no, no, not really my thing. Is that your definition okay. of a date? <laughs> By the way, this this. <laughs> This is how awesome, like, at this point, you don't think it's a joke uh, uh, whatsoever, right? Uh, no, I don't. This um, is what's great about it, is you're so um, caught up in the fact this guy is <laughs> enamored by you. You're just like, yeah, no, um, that's fine. No, I, I won't fuck, but I appreciate you thinking I'm... <laughs> well, I'm also I'm also trying to spare this poor guy's feelings. You that's know the thing mean? that like... came across in the whole thing. You're being, like, really nice to the guy. Right, let's listen to a little more. Um, but again, I take it as a compliment. Um... Okay, you don't. I, I just would, would love to stretch your onion. <laughs> I should have figured it out right there. Yeah, that's like. But I was I was loaded. Was actually, you, you didn't. Uh, if you listened closely, you didn't hear that part because you're saying goodbye to someone uh, on on the other end. Oh. So you didn't hear the stretch your onion part. So you just kind of come back on the phone here. Uh yeah no sorry man not my uh, not my deal. Could I suck your dick? No. <laughs> just girls. Okay. Just well, that's, that's, that's kind of flattering. So, um, Just girl. Um, do you, could I pay you? Uh, no, nah, dude. Not, uh, not my deal at all, unfortunately. But, uh, okay. Okay. you know, hey, you're going to do good for yourself. You know what, man? Right, absolutely. I just have been watching you for a while. Now, what if I brought a, my girlfriend who's super smoking hot? Um, would yeah. you do a three-way and then maybe I can just watch you have sex with her? I got to point out. Uh, even that is kind of... Not really, not really into... I'm not going to sit in the corner and jerk uh, off like play, a creep. You know what I mean? Go to the back. You thought about the threesome. I didn't think about the threesome, but when he said, I can just watch you fuck her, yeah. it was like, I've never done that. <laughs> At uh, that moment, I'm like freaking I'm, out because I'm like, oh, he's thinking about I, I'm I'm starting to think like, how hot is she? <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend who's super hot and you just hear I go, um... <laughs> Kind of, a, kind of a kind of a one on one type of guy. One on one. But I mean, if you can just bang one of my friends, I can just sit there and maybe have a Tim, Timmy's coffee or something. <laughs> I'm not going to be a creepy. <laughs> I'm not going to be a creepy guy uh, and sit there and just wow. You know, off man, like that's, a that's really not but. my wheelhouse. But uh, you know, I appreciate I appreciate uh, the fact that you had the cojones to, to reach out like that. But it's well, not really not my thing. Okay, so cool. can we keep this between us? And, and, and you know, I go into absolutely. the cantina all the no, time. Absolutely, man. Don't worry about it. I had to tip, and I, I talked to Paris, and I'm really, don't bring it up to her as well, because um, she was hey, man, really this, reluctant look, to give me your number, but look, I told her I know, that I just I know really how much, wanted to I know how fuck much uh, fucking uh, chutzpah it takes to just, like, ask a girl out under regular circumstances and to, uh, to put yourself out there like you just did. I respect that kind of balls, but, uh, like I said, it's you not said balls, man. you so got to be don't, interested don't worry in about it, bro. Totally good. You said balls. Nuts. You balls. Uh, Come on. Let's, let's, but, uh, let's hey, try it. Let's try it. I respect it. the hell out of the, uh, like I said, the, uh, the cajones. It's Would you like, to, uh, you said, do you want to try, do you just want to try and maybe play with mine? No. Not my bag, bro. Okay. Not my bag. What if I get you 12 beers like Stella's? <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> what if I just get you drunk? Would you fuck? <laughs> no, man. Not my thing. You, you can come on my face. I don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, no, I appreciate it, but uh, no, not really my thing, man, okay? 
It almost sounds like he thought about the coming on the face part. <laughs> you know what? That's an offer that you really, it really is hard to turn down no matter who it's coming from. How did you so. not know this was a joke at any point? This is, this is what I mean about you. You're so like. So drunk. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> Cottage, Muskoka, drunk. And you know what? A little flattered. Yeah, that's. I think that's more of it. That's you're like, oh, this guy's thinks I'm obviously. Dr- no. I'm also. I'm also trying really hard not to, you know, like crush this dude. You know what I mean? Like it's just. It keeps going. Okay, well, I'm. I'm still gonna. Did you move to a different place, restaurant, or something? I, I just love to. Uh, I got another job in another part of the city, you know. Oh yeah. You're no, you're no longer in the okay. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just keep going to the cantina. But I, I was, it was sad to see you leave, man, because it took me a lot of, lot of guts, and I don't want to say balls because you're not into it. Um, but <laughs> to, to just kind of yeah. tell you how I felt about you, and I've been watching you, and I love when you get a little, you know, stressed out at work and running all those tables and getting sweaty. It's really nice. But <laughs> I, I just well, wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind stretching your onion one night. But, yeah. I mean, it's. It's not going to happen, eh? Oh, so, yeah. Don't worry about it. No, stress, no drama. No worries. Uh, but uh, I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, not into it. So if you went jogging in jogging pants and you kind of got sweaty down there, can I give you a Cajun dry rub? You know, like, <laughs> <you're> dry, so <laughs> like, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so you're not gay at all. Then. Have, okay, I'm have really, a good night, I'm, man. Okay, I'm going to get back to my friends up at the cottage here, okay? Oh, okay, thanks, Ray. That, so, and please yeah. keep this between us. I'm really sorry. I had to call you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Okay. Big, Take kiss, care. big kisses. I'll see you soon. <laughs> big kisses. I'll see you soon. Is there a creepier way to end a call? <laughs> okay, so this call ends. And I'll what see are your. Because this went on for five minutes and 46 seconds. I immediately texted Paris asking her if she had given my number to someone. That's hilarious. Like, immediately. And were you angry? What were you feeling? No, it was just, I wasn't angry. I was just like, okay, that's that's a little weird. Uh, and I, I thought it was a little suspect because Paris, um, we, we didn't always see eye to eye. So mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if it was something that she might have done thinking it would have been funny. But at the same time, I also know she... For any differences we had, she is a pretty ethical person. Right. So I, I also thought like, nah, it's, it's, it, I don't really see the circumstance wherein she would do that. Right. But I just kind of wanted to make sure. We called you back after, and I have that call too. Yeah. We called you this time from my number, so you would see me calling, and but I got my friend Matt to do the voice. The uh, absolute second I saw your number come up, I knew what had happened. Michael Minikiff, here's here's that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> That's us yeah. freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so. This is us calling you back. You're Michael again, but from my number, it'll give me the. Hey, it's Michael. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I just yelled at Paris. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh shit! Oh fucking hell, dude! That's what we call you a hook, are... hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> yeah, I should have known too because he had that like whispery voice. Uh, that that was actually my buddy Matt doing it. 
But we were recording for the podcast. We're trying these uh, different things. Oh, that was great. You're a nice guy, man. I realized when I hung up the phone, I'm like, oh my God, when I hung up, I realized, I'm like, Ray is a good guy. <laughs> you just, you're like, no hard feelings, uh, no drama, no nothing. That's hilarious. What did you tell, what did you say to Paris? Oh my god. No, that's really weird. I love the that's Arnold yell in the background. Oh my god. You're the king. And, uh, <laughs> alright, brother, I'll talk to you. Uh, come back to Toronto tomorrow, so I'll give you a shout. Alright, brother. Alright, thanks, man. Take care. You're uh, there we go. That's a new segment we're working on for the show with my buddy Matt. We still it's untitled, but um, you were one of the victims. We just did a bunch of test phone calls, or t- calling people that uh, we know and stuff like that. So um, we'll be looking at that. So here you are now. You're in Toronto. Mm-hmm. You've been here uh, a year and a half, two uh, years, two years in February. Com- coming up on two years. Yeah. How are you finding the city? Love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. You're back at Absolute Comedy. I am. You went through a breakup. When, uh, I, I, when I saw you, it was random. Oh, oh wow. We're, we're doing some, uh, some Barbara Walters shit here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> when I saw you, you were tore up. You were, like, fucked up. After, uh, oh, yeah, 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 when, uh, when I came into Cantina that first day. Yeah. Okay, well, what happened that day was the breakup had been, like, three days beforehand. Mm-hmm. And leading up to moving to Toronto, like, everything was just lining up. I've been wanting to move here for a long time. And... Then when I when I finally did, uh, like everything had just lined up, timing, uh, finances, everything. It was like the universe was telling me, okay, go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And then I started dating a girl who lived here, and we were doing the back and forth visiting thing. And it was like it was like the universe was saying, like, okay, you, you got the money, you get you get the timing is perfect. And what if we throw in a super hot twenty two year old who's like really into the weird stuff in the sack? And it's like, will you go then? Like yes. You're into young, young women. Um, I don't really put a limit on it, but I Kay. find I, I do enjoy I do enjoy the uh, the early twenty set. Um, You're what 32? Three? 32. 32. 32. And the youngest you've been with was nineteen. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> hey, fuck. It's your your shit. I'm just exposing. I'm, I'm it. like a, a, to to yeah, yeah. It's it's my shit that you're exposing. <laughs> I, I'm sure to the listeners, like to half of them, I'm a fucking creep, and half of them, I'm a hero now. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. What's okay, so where, p- you, where are you going with this? I I don't know actually. What's so? P- <laughs> I don't know. What is so appealing about young women? Because you can't really carry a conversation with a 19 year old, can you? Um, some of them. Yeah. Some of them. Uh, a lot of them are... So you uh, justified by them being mature 19-year-olds? No, not really. Um, I, I, I enjoy the, like, they still have that, that... New car smell. <laughs> as Mike Damber would call it, birthday cake. Um, but no, I, I enjoy the fact that there's, there's very little, uh, like, adult drama, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they're not adults yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're getting into some Bill Cosby shit here. Um, <laughs> no, no, you know what I mean though. It's like uh, the drama for them is is all like social stuff, yeah. and uh, right. and there's not a whole lot of like 
big life stuff, you know, like there's not worrying about mortgages or where the career is going or, you know, uh, yeah, the, I get that. It's sort yeah, of just the, escaping real life. And yeah. Just... Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, it's like seeing, seeing a really, really good movie and, uh, just in, enjoying it, uh, cause it's fun. Right. And that, you know, like it, people ask me a lot. It's like, why, why do I enjoy, uh, the younger set? It just word association, you know, fun. Um, mm. because, you know, not that there's anything whatsoever wrong with women my age or older. Um, I've I've run the gamut, but um, I don't know. I just, I just find the younger set. Uh, they're a little more experimental. Um, a little more. Uh, they just don't have a whole lot of hangups about much. Right. And I'm not just talking sexually. I'm just talking, you know, like socially and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, oh, what do you feel like doing tonight? Uh, you know, whatever. I'm like, oh, well, there's this, uh, there's this uh, underwater uh, whiskey bar I know of. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, let's do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas when when you get when you get a little older and you know i'm i'm the same way it's like we have things that we definitely don't like and we have things that we definitely do like and we mm-hmm. kind of we kind of get in our ways and and it's fun to kind of go back and i guess i guess almost kind of age in reverse that right. way and just be open to pretty much anything that's that's happening you know yeah. anything that's going down it's like yeah cool i'm in you know no problem so, and I mean, a lot of, a lot of my friends through the restaurant and everything are, are much younger than I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I get that. It's just sort of like going back in time we're to a carefree place. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, I think, I think that's, uh, that's a big part of the appeal is, mm-hmm. is just that you, you, you nail right on the head, just completely carefree, easygoing, good, good times. No fucking worries about, you know, like the the adult things yeah. in life that kind of creep up on you out of nowhere and you're just like whoa I, I, I didn't sign up for this you know mm-hmm. what I mean like I, I want to go back to that right and and you do <laughs> and you do let's um well, let me do this thing we're gonna do a segment now with uh with uh, Jen Grant okay okay folks it's time now for another installment of Are You Mariah or Yoko. And now, Julian Dion presents Are You Mariah or Yoko? Where we find out from each of your celebrity guests, is it vocal range or vocal strain? Okay, we're here now once again with Jen Grant. Hello. Um, uh, okay, so explain to Ray and the listeners once again in a concise, quick way, the segment. Okay, so you know when you're listening to your music and you've got your earphones on? In, and, into the mic, please. And you're uh, loving the song, like it's one of your favorites, and you're singing along to it, you're by yourself, mm-hmm. and you think you sound awesome. Do you know we all do that? Yeah. By yourself, in the car, in your apartment, in the oh, shower, yeah. whatever. But shower, you don't have your earbuds in. But you know what I'm saying. So you're really giving it and you think, oh my God, I'm so good. But really, you're listening back to what the recording is. That's why it, you think it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, no, So exactly. I want to put this to, to the test 
and we're gonna sing a song, you and I. I'll okay. do I'll do a version. You'll do it. Oh no. We'll crank up the volume, no, and we'll good. see who sounds the best. <laughs> no, it's the best. It's really fun. And enthusiasm counts for a lot. I, I so. love this because Ray is always such in control of um, his uh, perspective, like other people's perception of him. <laughs> so, so this Am I? Sort of. <laughs> I feel like you are. You're, you're well put together. So I feel like this is a uh, just let, uh, let go. Total exercise in humility. Yeah. Okay. Am I going first or are you going first? It's your call. Well, we have to. You get to choose because you're the guest. And um, remember that you don't have to be a good singer for this. It's we're having fun with it, and you get to sell it like as if you're doing this by yourself. And you can decide whether I go first or you go first. You also get to decide on the song. So um, think of a song you really like. We'll look up, we'll get the lyrics for you, so don't worry about it. So just take a second, but usually your first impulse. And this is all just fun. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Faith by Limp Biscuit. To go first, or do you want me to go okay. first? Okay, so we chose a song. It uh, we're gonna well, Ray chose a song. We're gonna do uh, "Gotta Have Faith," the Limp Biscuit version. Everybody, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to two thousand one. Um, so who who would you like to go first? I think it'd be selfish of me to make you go first, so I'll go first. In uh, in a Julian Dion comedy hour, are you Mariah or Yoko first? Ray yeah. chooses to go first. This is the first time that the guest is going first. Into the microphone. We keep forgetting that for some reason. Alrighty. This is radio. Popping that cherry. Okay. So uh, when you're ready, the floor is yours. Ray Ray, Limp Biscuit, you gotta have faith. I am so sorry. <laughs> well, I guess it would be nice if I could touch your body. I know not everybody <laughs> has got a body like me. But I gotta think twice. Before I give my heart away And I know all the games you play Cause I play them too Oh, but I need some time off From that emotion Time to pick my heart up off the floor floor. When that love comes down Without devotion Well, it takes a strong man, baby But I'm, I'm showing you that door Well, I gotta have faith <laughs> Gotta have faith Gotta have faith Gotta have faith, baby I know you're asking me to stay <laughs> Raise wicker so Clap it So sorry <laughs> I need another beer after that. Oh, uh, that was great. I love the chorus because... Oh, my God, that was awesome. That's when you really uh, distinguish from um, the George Michael version to the Limp Biscuit uh, version. Yeah, I didn't know it was actually the George Michael version. I didn't understand what was happening. I thought it was a completely different song. No, you get it. But you un- you got the song, right? Oh, yeah, I know this one. Well... Okay, when you're ready. So I guess I'll try to sing it like the way that he's singing it. Yeah. I'll do my best. Okay, so that was Ray. That was good, Ray. That was actually, that was actually surprisingly good. So yeah, I'm going to try it, hard It right actually now. sounded good. And I'm going to try to sound Again, like Limp Biscuit. I don't cor- know what they sound like. The but. chorus is when the Limp Biscuit stylings come into play versus George Michael. I'm going to try, guys. Okay, peaking those levels. Okay, Jen Grant, Limp Biscuit, you got to have faith. Well, I guess it would be nice. If I could touch your body, I know not everybody has got a body like me. Now I gotta think twice before my heart, my heart away. 
and I know all the games you play, because I play them too. <laughs> oh, I need some time off from that emotion. Time to pick my heart up off the floor. <laughs> my love comes down without devotion. <laughs> I guess a strong man, baby, but I'm showing you the door. Get up, baby! I think oh we broke the god. microphones. Oh my god. I think holy shit. I think the <laughs> microphones I have to return them. Uh that was amazing. Ah. Holy How did that feel? My eardrums hurt. Uh Wow. Okay. Um I don't know what wow. to do this w- with this one. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this one. That's a tough one. That was that was can, can we can we hear that back? Um Oh, after. Yeah, yeah I'll yeah. play it after. Uh, holy shit. How do we do that? I have a headache, if that counts. Oh, I didn't hear that at all. I didn't before I smacked my head on the beam. But Did you I smack it on the beam? <laughs> it was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. I'm six foot one, and these ceilings are like five foot four. Okay, um, that was tough because Ray sounded good. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jen also sounded good. She had maybe a little more enthusiasm. She went went nuts. She did. She did. It was a, it was out of your wheelhouse. It was out of your wheelhouse. I'm going to have to, zone. by a slim margin, I'm going to have to give this one to Jen Grant. I agree. Woo! Yeah. You deserve you it. That's a compliment because you were good, right? Yeah, you were good. <laughs> okay, so that was another installment. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? I missed it. Uh, uh, that was an, another installment of Are You Mariah or Yoko? Okay, so yeah. Ray Ray, um, that that's pretty much it. We've run out of time. No, uh, no squirting. No squirting. We'll no get squirting. To, well, I'll get you back in here to talk about squirting. <laughs> uh, he somehow decoded the f- uh, female genome to make every woman squirt, which I'm sure everyone out there is dying to know about. Yeah, wow. No, that's not what happened, but okay. Um, so anyway, <laughs> okay, uh, thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man. For this was re- a blast. regaling us with tales of um, being on the other side of the comedy business. Uh, we appreciate it. Anything you want to add? Check out Julian's show every other Wednesday at oh, Say What. Oh, thank you. Yeah. What about your Instagram? Or oh, yeah. My Instagram's pretty fun. At uh, RayLZ3. 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 All right, man. Thanks a lot, and watch your head. Yeah. And there it is. Episode 23, over and done with. Cover to cover. Thanks to my guest, Ray Wicker for hanging in there and being a good sport. And thanks to you for listening, always. I appreciate it. Once again, email the show pod at jdcomedyhour.com. A little all all over the map here. Thanks to my producer, Adam Fox, Foxy Cleopatra, and my sound engineer, Miles Lacroix. And, uh, yeah, follow on Instagram and Twitter at jdcomedyhour and facebook.com slash jdcomedyhour. New episodes coming at you every Tuesday and Wednesday from Lemon Press Studios in the Distillery District, downtown Toronto. Thanks for listening, and watch your head.
Yeah, actually, a uh, really nice guy. Really nice guy. Yeah. Really nice. Oh. Okay, let's check levels. Check one, two, one, two. One, two. Sam. Sam. Soon it and soon it and soon it will. Okay, how are your cans? Your headphones? They're good. They loud. were too loud before, but now they're good. Oh, here, you can adjust this, by the oh, way. This Jesus, is... tap dancing Christ. <laughs> you can, oh yeah, whoops. <laughs> you prick. <laughs> I just tried it on my own. Holy fuck, yeah, that's loud. Yeah, that got really fucking loud. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. Rock your body. Yeah. yeah. 